Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm Haley Wooden. This week, we continue our conversations with Vancouver's nine mayoral candidates. We're speaking to them about their platforms and why they're running. We're doing this in the lead up to our Glacier Media All Candidates debate on Monday, September 17th. The event is sold out. Some tickets will be released at the door, but it will also be live streamed at BIV.com and on our Facebook page. You can go to BIV.com slash events for more information about the debate. And we also want to draw your attention to the fact that we have our BIV FinTech panel coming up. It is tonight, September 13th. It's at our Cannabis Investors Forum. And we also have our Cannabis Investors Forum on September 26th. This episode, we're speaking to Vancouver mayoral candidate Fred Harding. You're listening to BIV Today. Fred Harding is running for Mayor of Vancouver as part of the Vancouver First Party, which has a full slate. Fred is a retired West Vancouver police officer. He served with the West Vancouver Police Department for nearly two decades. He lives in Vancouver and was the founder of Harding Global Consultants. He has since stepped away from the company, at least for the time being. But what it does is it seeks to bridge the business gap between North America and Asia. And he joins us now to talk about his campaign. Thanks for coming in. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. Let's start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and why you've decided to run for mayor. Okay, yeah. Um, I am a Vancouverite. I've been here for 21 years, uh, my 22nd year now. Uh, came obviously from England. I was a policeman in England, and uh, my policing background in, in the UK was in counterterrorism. So I worked at Scotland Yard and with the security services. Um, I came here uh, in 1997. Now I raised a family. And, uh, and I, I went back into policing. Policing wasn't what I wanted to do when I came to Canada. I thought there were going to be new opportunities. But actually, as many new Canadians find themselves now, I found myself, you know, looking for a new job. I went back into policing, um, did 18 years with West Vancouver, um, thoroughly enjoyed my time there in the police department and uh, worked on the Missing Women's Task Force, uh, ran a lot of teams. Um, and now I retired in August I set up, as you just quite rightly said, my company, Harding Global Consultants, which I've mothballed for the duration of the campaign. I think it's appropriate that I'm not doing business while my name is about in the media. Fair enough. And why are you running in politics? Leadership. Absolute leadership. So what we know that Vancouver is lacking is leadership. I've been asked many times to become involved in politics. In the last 10 years, I've been asked probably five or six times. I was approached to run for different parties. Um, I was actually approached to get back into a party in a leadership role just last year. Uh, I turned it all down. I wanted to do business, but we know that Vancouver needs leadership. We are in a state of turmoil. Uh, we keep hearing a number of words that keep coming over and over, which is crisis and punishment, crisis and punishment. So I know I've got the skills to do the job. I know I've got the ability to lead great teams, and that's what I'm here to do, is bring Vancouver into a new, uh, new generation, a new time, and, uh, and I know we can do that. So one of the keywords you just used was crisis. I think the housing crisis that we're facing right now, it's going to be the number one issue that people are talking about during this campaign here. How do you want to tackle it going forward here in Vancouver? Well, look, anyone who says that they have an answer to the housing crisis, uh, I would say they don't have a full comprehension of how big a crisis it really is. So it's, I'm, I'm seeing this as a, um, it's like a Rubik's Cube conundrum. There are so many moving parts to this crisis. I'll tell you how I want to tackle it, is 
we need to go up. We need to build up. We need to find ways of making sure that uh, rental units are affordable. And, and affordable means different things to different people. People are paying $4,000, $5,000 in rent here. That's not uh, lessening a housing crisis. We need to make sure that when we're building our transit systems, as, as we're going to start uh, increasing them and where we have them now, create density around the, ha- the transit systems, which are for rental, because we know that those are the areas where there's most speculation. I think that will help. But I think it's also important to remember that the, um, the provincial government have uh, made an allocation of 114,000 new homes. We have to see how that plays into lessening the crisis. But we also have to say, if it's really a crisis, and the and this is the word that's constantly used, I'm looking, I, I was invited to a, uh, a zoning, or sorry, a, a, a new development yesterday, uh, to say a few words. And it's going up six stories. Six stories and building 40 units in a place where there is a housing crisis doesn't sound like a crisis to me, or it doesn't sound like you've got a grasp of the problem. We need to go up. But it also depends on the neighborhood. You're going to get a lot of pushback from people depending on where you decide to build up. How do you kind of deal with the nimbyism that I think is actually quite prevalent in Vancouver, though? You're going to have to bridge a lot of gaps. It's going to be a very fractured city council as well that you're going to have to be presiding over. Yeah, um, I don't think we're going to be deciding, uh, um, presiding over a fractured city council. I actually think that Vancouver First is going to do exceptionally well in the, in the election. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of nimbyism. But we have to, this is what I mean about leadership. Okay, do you push back or do you keep taking the pushback? Or do you actually come in and create an environment where people understand the, the, uh, the gravity of the issue that we're dealing with? If it's a crisis, we have to go up. If it's a crisis, we have to do things which are maybe uncomfortable and unfamiliar but Vancouver needs to understand if we are in a crisis, we've got to find ways of alleviating that crisis. And one of those ways is going higher. What would be your strategy for communicating that and, and educating people about the state that we're in and having some of those conversations? How would you approach that? Oh, first of all, communication is key for everything that I do. Communication is is one of the things that I've been very good at in the past. Um, i was regarded as a very good communicator. We have to engage the community and we have to engage them on every level. And, and when, what I mean by that is not just tweeting and not just sending things out about it because people don't, not everybody's into tweeting or Twitter. And, you know, we have to meet people where, where they are in their communities, community centers, and really communicating how difficult the task ahead is. And as I say, the gravity of the situation so that people get an understanding of what, what it is we're really trying to do. It's not about creating just more homes for the sake of creating more homes, but we need to keep people in Vancouver because businesses are leaving, people are leaving. So I think just making sure that we communicate with everybody in that community on their level where we can best reach them. Well, one of the tools introduced by the current city council was the empty homes tax here in Vancouver. Are you a proponent of this? Would you imagine that there's I don't know, room to maneuver for sort of sort of tool like this? I'll tell you now, I'm completely opposed to it. I want to end it. And people have asked me, why would you want to end it? Well, it's, let's, let's use uh, the current administration's own figures. And I don't want to take up too much time on statistics or on numbers. But let's, We like statistics here. Okay. We're, we're a business publication. <laughs> let, let's, let's, let's be clear about this. They, they did the 2016 consensus. And the consensus came back and it said there were 8,500 homes were deemed empty homes in that consensus. Five and a half thousand homes were given an exemption. 
So it left 3,500 homes. Of that, there was about 2,500 that were deemed empty homes because the homeowners hadn't responded and returned the census. So we can say that the 1,000 people had responded that they had an empty home. That's not grounds for going out and pointing the finger at a, a, a section of the community. As we all know, they were pointing this finger to say, we need to stop this, we need to stop this, and the, the Chinese are coming in and buying our properties. I'll tell you what, where I see this. A complete and utter lack of planning for decades. So my mother um, used to have a saying, which is, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. And so in 1986, we had the Expo. And we wanted to welcome the world to Vancouver. We needed people to come to Vancouver. Then we had the Olympics. And we all remember those signs that were there saying, you should be here. You know, this is your photo opportunity. You should be here. We wanted the world to come to Vancouver. There was no planning for when the people came. They came. We had nowhere to put them. We started building up and and it created a, a crisis here. So now we're going to start saying, now we don't want you to come. Or we're going to penalize you for being here. It's wrong, utterly wrong. There are better ways of dealing with this. Do you have similar thoughts around the restrictions regarding Airbnb? Uh, no. My, my thoughts on, on Airbnb right now is simply that we need to make sure that people register their homes and they pay a tax. Uh, that tax, I, I don't want it to be a penalizing tax. I, I, don't want, I want to get away from penalizing people. We're a party of business. And if you're running your home as an Airbnb, you're doing business and it's an entrepreneur thing. And there are some people who will rely on that money. And when we, this is a new business and so we're unfamiliar with it, but people want to try and shut it down. I don't want to shut it down. I want to make sure that we're planning our part in this, which is creating the homes and the environment that's necessary, that we've got enough rental units and homes available for people to live in that are affordable. Well, you just mentioned you're a party of business. Tell us a little bit what the value proposition is for the business community getting behind a party like yours. Oh, yeah. Well, certainly we want to encourage business to come back, right? We're seeing businesses leave here en masse. I just read yesterday, and I, and I want to find out, because I was reading it last night, that Microsoft is planning on moving office. Now, I don't know if that means that they're moving out or moving office, but if this place is too expensive for Microsoft, it's too expensive, Right. So our party wants to make sure that we encourage business to come into Vancouver. We want to set, create an environment where there is certainty and stability for business to return, to grow, to expand, develop, because this comes down to affordability. If we don't have high paying jobs here, people can't afford their rent. They can't afford their mortgages. That's the value proposition for us. We're a party that wants to encourage and bring back business. I mean, Haley and I, we've discussed this. Uh, our neighborhoods, a lot of empty storefronts because of small businesses leaving. A lot of it has to do with just leases. They're incredibly expensive. But I mean, you also have a free market that you have to deal with, though. I, I mean, this is a very difficult situation. How do you encourage small businesses specifically not to leave? I mean, you're also dealing with labor cost issues. It's very expensive for people that are maybe making minimum wage to even afford to live here in a city like Vancouver, there's so many factors. How do you begin to tackle this on a municipal level? Okay. And this, this comes back to my first point about this a Rubik's Cube conundrum, right? So let's talk about leases. We want to bring in a, uh, a ombudsman for small business. Now, the ombudsman for small business, we see them like the uh, rental ombudsman, somebody who can advocate for businesses who are facing sky-high lease rates. We have to tackle these lease rates that are going through the roof. Now, it's possible, and maybe we have to start looking at, do we give grants to either the landlord 
or to the business. Somebody needs to get a grant. We can't afford to keep losing businesses. I just walked down Robson Street. It's deserted. It's, I, I don't know, two thirds, a third is empty. That's inconceivable. Like we're an international or we should be an international city. If we're driving the business out, they're going elsewhere and everybody else is getting that business and we need to have it back here. So when it comes down to labor costs, this is another very interesting issue. There are, you know, we, we talk about raising the minimum wage. We all know that there are restaurants and businesses here. If they pay the minimum wage, they're done. They have to pay way over the minimum wage and they still can't get the staff. We also know that there are businesses that are closing down because they can't keep staff and they're paying $20 an hour. So what's, what is that salary that actually keeps people in Vancouver? What's the salary that gets somebody to wait a table or, or work in a restaurant? I don't know. But at 20 bucks an hour, it's, um, there are people who are, who would really, they, they could survive on, on that. And, and that's probably the wrong word in terms of survive, but it's not a bad salary, right? 20 bucks an hour but they can't find the staff. So I don't know what the answer is for that yet. You know, and, and of course, I've got to come in here and say I've got an answer for everything. But how do you have an answer when you have a minimum wage of 14 bucks an hour and people are paying 20 bucks and $22 and they can't get the staff? We have to find a way to support the businesses in keeping people in or encouraging people to go and work there. One part of the issue, of course, is trying to get businesses to stay and the other is attracting them here in the first place. And we know from research from the Conference Board of Canada and Board of Trade here that Greater Vancouver's relative tax competitiveness is quite poor compared to other jurisdictions around the world. What would be your tax competitiveness proposal for businesses and individuals who who want to invest in Greater Vancouver and Vancouver specifically? Well, we have to look at the um, the... We're looking at the uh, cost of uh, or the, the value of the land that, that they're on. Now, again, it comes down to do we have to create a grant program for businesses, for small businesses that are coming in? We have to find a way of matching our um, uh, commercial taxes, you know, commercial property taxes, where people feel confident to come in and do business here. If it's too expensive, it just doesn't make business, it doesn't make business sense to, to come and set up a business in Vancouver. But there are places like New Westminster, and Burnaby that are a lot more attractive to these companies, we have to be the place that's more attractive. I I was scrolling through tweets. I forget if it was you or Vancouver first, but uh, somebody mentioned that there should be more support for entrepreneurs and innovators. I don't think any mayoral candidate's going to disagree with that, but what kind of support would you like to see that maybe a city could provide here? Oh, I, I tell you what I'd love to say. I'd love to see a mentorship program. There are great, great business people who have retired from business and they are sitting around in white spot and Starbucks and the, they sit in their huddles and we've all seen them. And they're great business minds. I would love to see them mentoring uh, young people, not only young people, but people who are just on a startup. And we get a lot of people who now with the transition in, in our economy are actually going into startups at 40 and 50 and they, they're doing what they can to get their business going, but most of what they're doing is wrong. And they're not really, you know, we have to have mentors who can just say, don't go down that path. A million people have done it. This is the way I'm showing you to go. But people who have been there and, and have the experience. So that's, that's the first thing. And certainly by having some international business people come and explain how to do international business. I recently had somebody ask me if I could help them go to Asia. And they were doing a, a, a product, a, a, like a, it's a product for dieting. So I asked them to send me products. I can get this product out to people. I got five boxes, like five separate boxes. They want to take China. 
right? So you have to encourage people and, and get someone to say, this is how you take a country. This is the marketing strategy that you need to do if you want to go abroad. Like what I see is that that wasn't, it wasn't silly. It seemed to be a Vancouver thing of thinking smaller than you actually have to. If you want to do, take Asia, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, you have to go big. And if you're not ready to do that market yet, don't try and tread in that market. We know the federal government is pushing trade diversification, as is the provincial government. Can a municipal government do more to encourage businesses to maybe look elsewhere other than south of the border and think bigger? Yes. Well, this uh, CETA, the, this uh, European trade trade agreement is coming in now. Uh, now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know everything about CETA because I don't. Uh, one of the things I have to do is start reading up on it. But that's another market, right? We know that uh, England is, gonna, is desperate to get new new markets. And we have to look at how we access those markets. Yeah, we shouldn't just be looking there south of the border. The world is the world's so much smaller, right? We have to take businesses from Vancouver wherever there's a market. And this is one of the things, uh, you know, we can do trade shows here. We need to bring the outside business world into Vancouver to show them the talent that we actually have here, especially in the tech sector and food. We have to show people what we've actually got. Speaking of which, maybe this ties back to our earlier conversation, though, but how do we attract and retain the talent here in the city knowing, I mean, we're well known for having such a high cost of living, but I mean, it's a pretty great place to live. What's the value proposition for keeping people the talent that we need here in the city? The, the, right. So many things. One of, one of which is, and this is where I'm get, getting into this, because <laughs> it, it, transit, our transit is appalling, right? We need to increase our transit and our transit capacity. And th- when I was talking about lack of planning, Vancouver opened the Canada Line. It opened at maximum capacity. How does that happen? How are you not planning ahead, right? But so, we, but we need to increase our ability to move our people around, the movement around quickly, um, cheaply, effectively, and we also need to have people being moved around late at night. Traffic congestion puts people out. You know, the people don't want to come here because of the traffic congestion. There are ways of increasing or improving our traffic congestion, and I would say one of those is we need to do late night delivery. They do it in other cities. Why aren't we doing it here? Why have we got delivery trucks you know, and, and uh, 20 ton trucks and 15 ton trucks driving down the main streets at, at three o'clock in the afternoon or in our busiest periods? Let's get them off the road. We, we've got to ease congestion. Um, we got to, in, we have to bring, I want to bring in uh, free transit for people 18 and under. And I, I know that's an issue because it's not, Vancouver doesn't run the whole transit system and translink. But we have to encourage everybody that if we can at least get young people traveling for free, the roads will ease up. Thousands of unnecessary car journeys will be removed from the road. So it's one way that I see we can start to attract people here by easing up the traffic congestion and making it much easier to get about from where you live and work. Where do you think the money would come for something like that? Because we know it's been difficult enough to try and get the necessary multi-stakeholder funding even to extend current transportation lines. Are you talking about free transit for mm-hmm. 18 and under? The, the the bill is about 35 million. It's shared between 21 different municipalities, Vancouver being the biggest. You can't ask Belcara to pay any, you know, the same as Vancouver, but it's chump change. So when we talk about where does this money come from, if we create an environment where more business is coming back, that's where the money is going to come from. I think one of the big issues that we'll be facing, I guess the same week as the mayoral uh, election here, is uh, the legalization of cannabis. 
We have a lot of these illegal dispensaries operating, a lot of them very close to schools, which is right now violating city bylaws. I think you would understand better than other candidates that it would be an incredibly expensive proposition to investigate and then prosecute these. How do we go ahead managing these illegal dispensaries post-legalization of recreational cannabis? I said earlier leadership. Okay, so if I just sit here and talk, that's just air. And it's just talk without action is air, right? So here's what I've already done. There's a lawyer called Rob Laurie. Rob is a, uh, a cannabis dispensary uh, legal expert. He's a cannabis expert. He's currently in front of the Supreme Court right now uh, argu- arguing a case for uh, against the, the city. I've asked Rob to come in and be the special advisor to the Office of Mayor on cannabis and uh, and community health. So here's, here's what I want to do. In 2017, 2015, there were 150 dispensaries in Vancouver. Today, there's 19 regulated dispensaries. Those 150 dispensaries, the, the majority of them have asked for regulation and business licenses, and the city has been either ignoring them or delaying, making delaying tactics. They have no faith that the city can actually negotiate in good faith or that the city knows what it's doing. I want to show that we do know what we're doing, that there's a competent administration in place. Rob travels the world advising on um, on cannabis legislation. As you said, I was a policeman. I don't think people will say that I've got the best handle on this in terms of like uh, regulating the, the cannabis uh, industry. But I'll say this. Come October 17th, it's going to be legal. It will be a business. And it'll be a, a legitimate business like Starbucks in Vancouver. People... Some people despise the idea of bringing in uh, dispensaries, but half the people think it should have been here 50 years ago. What we need is policy that is effective, meaningful, and well thought out and peer reviewed that comes in and advises them that this is how we're going to do it. Because we all agree that it shouldn't be near a school. It shouldn't be in places where it's going to cause an issue with the community. And I think that when we've got someone who advises, this is how you make money from it. This is the places it should be. This is how you effectively regulate it. What I want to see is that we're not going back to an, uh, an era where crime is managing it, where it's uh, people had grown it in their basement and the, the fire hazards associated to it. Let's regulate it and make it a proper functioning business. Only but whether you like it or not, it's coming and it's going to be legal. Now, I just want to say one more thing into that is we must, part of this is, is what I'm asking Rob to do is advise on the fentanyl and opioid issue as well. So that's the community health. So it's not going to, he's not just going to advise on cannabis. I want to say this as well. I'm not an advocate of the cannabis industry. I'm not, but I am an advocate of business. And if they come as a legitimate business, we have to respect that. That's the way the country's going. So we've got to respect that. But we also have to tie in how we're losing so many people to opioid and fentanyl uh, addiction and opioid and fentanyl abuse. That is a travesty that there has been no leadership on in our city, like no leadership. People are dying. We have to get a control of this. We have to get a grip of it. Rob would be taken on on the first day of the administration because there is not a second to lose. It's a very important issue. You've mentioned multiple times the importance of leadership, but I'm curious how you think Vancouver can be a better leader regionally when it comes to things like the mayor's council or other regional boards. Oh, well, it's, it's a great question, largely because there are going to be some other great mayors around. Okay. It's about how we project our strength to bring in other uh, municipalities and show that we can work together. 
We need a leader who can make, you know, we're talking about our crises. How does a leader bring them all in and, and, uh, and make the whole environment of the uh, lower mainland a place for business and people to live and thrive and grow and families to live and thrive and grow? That's where I see the, the leadership of the uh, Vancouver mayor in just taking that leadership role. Encourage, encouraging business, encouraging family, encouraging development, but making the entire lower ma- mainland a great environment. Great. Fred, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. That's Fred Harding, Vancouver mayoral candidate with Vancouver First. And that's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV today. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or go to BIV.com for more of our stories. Join us tomorrow as we continue our coverage of Vancouver's mayoral race. 